Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome back, all you clickers and clackers, and welcome to the HBO Boys podcast. I'm Adam, and sadly, James could not be with us this evening, um, so I'll be right in now. Side note, Ryan has been uh, giving us constant feedback on our Discord channel, and if you want to be part of our Discord, please subscribe to us on Patreon. And he said, and I quote, Oh, I like the show, but also I hope there are more zombie sex scenes like in the game. Uh, you know, press R2 to uh, zombie thrust uh, Joel's, uh, yeah, well, you know, you know. Ryan likes the show, he's chill. Uh, side note, no zombies were sexed in the game that we know of, thankfully. Also, he, like many people on the internet, have feelings about episode 3. We'll be catching up with him after episode 5, and that will be available on the Patreon for our followers. But, let's get into it. I can't wait for that, man. Yeah, I think it's gonna be really great that you're gonna gonna come in after episode 5, so. Yeah, that's gonna be chill. Yeah, by the way, uh, Ryan's here for this episode, so. (laughs) Oh, what? (laughs) What, dude? <laughs> what is surprise? I, I'm here to, I'm here to ruin the vibe. Honestly, I'm mad at myself. I've been listening to your guys's podcast you've been doing about sure. the Last of Us, and it's been real chill vibes. And I'm yeah. here to like mess that. Like, I'm mad at the listener of this podcast. Ryan is mad at the podcaster Ryan for being here at all. But I'm a very good friend, and I'm filling in for James. And I just can't wait for you to do all the work today and talk about the Last of Us. Long long time <laughs> jesus yes the name of the episode i know we're gonna be talking about the last of us episode three long long time just as ryan said clocking in at a whopping one hour 15 minutes just five minutes shy of the series premiere episode so we, we truly are getting many movies with this how do you feel about that ryan like that that we're we're getting movies as episodes in a lot of this case and i think it's going to continue i'm fine with this show being a movie every week i we talked recently about how i think one of the large hurdles for this game being turned into a television show is that every now and again in the game and by every now and again i mean pretty often Mm. the goal is to murder zombies sure and that can't be happening all the time in the show so they have to deal with what filler is going to be and how they're going to make filler interesting sure the places in the show where in the game you would just be murdering zombies because that's the whole deal but in the show it has to be like emotional character arcs that weren't originally in the game or at least not fleshed out as much in the game fleshed out by the way a very cool phrase talking about a zombie show oh yeah that was a a number one choice of verbiage p.s every time i see the word zombie in like a last of us i don't like it comment on tiktok or youtube yeah everybody's like they're not zombies they're infected 
Yeah, whatever you. I, <laughs> I say you it too, and it feels them. it feels dirty when I say it in this respect. Like The Walking Dead, zombies, zombies. <laughs> They're zombies. These people are plants, basically. Right. Either way, I'm fine with them being extended. Yes. It just matters why they extend something and how they extend something. And I think this episode was a very good example of doing it in a way that was tear jerking and sad. And I think there were a few missteps that weren't the middle 40 minutes that were absolute perfection. But the middle was (laughs) (laughs) was real good. Oh, good. And and I'm a little bummed that I'm not going to hear James's take on this this week because he also felt the same way, um, stating it was a very beautiful story, a good way to kind of tie something together that we we didn't know, and expanding the backstories of these characters and taking a completely different turn uh, than what the game did. Which it, honestly, it, the game felt so much colder compared to this, which is probably intentional at the time. But now that we have the chance to. Expand away. I'm happy that they did that. Yeah, I'm once again mad for the listener of this podcast because this episode <laughs> was going to be a praise fest. You and James were just going to no, keep not, praise not for true. an hour and a half. Yes. No, not Adam, true. Adam, I promise you not. Adam. I promise you. Oh, okay. Either way, <laughs> it's going to be less that because I'm here and again. I'm not happy with me. I know, but the bulk of the episode that you found good is all I really care about. <laughs> sure. And, and I, I think that is sort of the actual downside of the episode, which is the bulk of the episode, which you care about, I care about, the internet cares about. They're just yeah. TikToks of people crying. Uh, it's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I'm I'm incredibly happy that this show has gotten the viewership it has because I think that this story deserves to be told and it not just be a video game. And PS and by the way, just got renewed for season two. I love that. Love that. And I oh, it's gonna be terrible. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, just on on your conscience? Oh, dude. The 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 amount of emotions that, that these two games pull out of you is truly astounding yeah why are they so sad Um, could they be could they be less sad because it's a pretty sad premise (laughs) oh what the end of the world end of the world you know love hate relationship all of your family and friends dying of course yeah no that's not a joyous occasion that's no no all right fine whatever dude just make it sad i guess but as we're alluding to this episode is the first significant deviation from the source material. Almost everything this time was completely new, at least up until the final scene. The final scene, it picks right back up from the game, and we're off and we're going. So that is uh, something to note here. There are a couple of similarities that we see from the source material, but it is not any way in the same order as the game ends up being. The show definitely changes that around. And for some context, I didn't play either of the games, but I watch enough YouTube and TikTok where I've basically seen every scene and every moment (laughs) from both games. So Uh. I know everything that happens. And as every episode airs, I watch all the videos that show the deviations or show the line for line Joel and Ellie reads side by side. Yeah. So I watched what bill was today like in a tick like in yeah. three tiktoks so straight. different so different right he well 
I suppose when we get to non-spoilers, or spoilers, that is, yeah. we can discuss that, because I was about to spoil a bunch of shit. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you can say, without spoiling it, Bill in the game is very rough around the edges, very his own mind, his own way goes, and nothing else matters. He is definitely and someone that... Trust I seek and I find in you. See, these are the vibes you wouldn't get with James. You That's wouldn't true. get you wouldn't get interrupted by me singing <laughs> singing Metallica. Good. Yeah, man. I bring a lot of value to this. <laughs> yeah, so so Bill, you know, he's rough around the edges, but he also is willing to help if help is needed. You know, he he is definitely has a soft spot in him that you see in the games, but this version of him is completely different. He is alone. He doesn't want to talk to anyone. He's very quiet. He's very reserved. He's Nick Offerman. He's Nick Offerman. <laughs> and right. there is a little bit of Ron Swanson vibes, which I'll talk about in a bit. But yes, just know very, very different from the source material. But I applaud this episode many times. I shed multiple tears. It uh, it hit me. It hit me very, very hard. Yeah, I don't know if I would describe it as different from the source material because it seems as though this is just the extended version in an alternate universe. I suppose, yeah. That's yeah. I think that's a good way to look at it. Sure. Because when you come upon Frank in the game in whatever state that might be, there is an emotional response from Bill, but it is jumped over very quickly because oh, yes. you got stuff to do. Absolutely. You have a goal. And you really don't get to simmer with Bill and his feelings. It's also implied in the game that Bill is gay yes. and not said outright, which, again, this episode didn't imply anything. You got to see the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Keep, keep in mind, too, that the game came out in 2013. So we're already 10 years into this story being out there and things were different 10 years ago. So I believe that they are exploring different ways to tell the story in addition to what the game shows as source material to keep that in mind as you listen so um with that kind of our reactions to this episode spoiler free come back on the other side of zad and we'll go deep dive into the last of us episode three say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill and we're back. Okay. You you are you are charismatic and I love it. Your love for this game and franchise shines through this uh this podcast that you're I doing. I can see now. the smirk on your mouth and I don't appreciate it. Weirdly enough, I'm not smirking. <laughs> okay. My face I, my face looks like like I'm talking like this, but how my face looks, but at sure. all times. Okay. <laughs> So now we're going to deep dive into this scene by scene. We're going to jump through some of the stuff that is a little bit more insignificant, but point out kind of what's good, what's bad. Nothing's insignificant. How dare you? Well, not according to you from the beginning. <laughs> That's such a good point. That's such a good point. 
Okay, so uh, we start off alongside Joel and Ellie, kind of taking a rest in the woods, fresh off the loss of Tess from episode two. Joel is very somber and quiet, being very cold to Ellie, uh, but he still tosses her some tasty jerky. And in true Ellie fashion, she stands up for herself. Hey, what the hell, man? Uh, You guys agreed to take this job to transport me to the Fireflies. Nothing that happens should be blamed on me. And remember, she wasn't super psyched to go from the beginning. So she is, uh, you know, uh, involuntary cargo. (laughs) Yeah, I like both of them in this moment where she's getting jerky thrown at her head. And she's like, could you not? Hey, hey, could you not? Don't do that. This is not my fault. You have made choices and sure they have to do with me. But again, like you just said, I'm involuntary cargo. So this is as much on you. Like it's not on anyone. We're living in a world full of infected and not zombies, not zombies infected. And this is just what happens out here. But I actually like Joel even more in this moment where she says that it's the obvious truth. And he's like, sure. "Mm, Yeah. Yeah. He he like nods in agreement and they form like this weird common ground. (laughs) Yeah. A lifelong bond. (laughs) Bravo. We're making progress. (laughs) Yay. Ellie and Joel continue on their way to Bill and Frank's. And as they're walking, she kind of badgers Joel, but he remains very short with her. And they reach an abandoned Cumbies. And for all of you not on the East Coast of the United States, Cumberland Mm. Farms is an excellent gas station food convenience store, kind of akin to a Wawa, a quick trip racetrack, kind of anything like that across the country. It's worse than Wawa, but yes. Yes, Wawa is better, but this originates in Cumberland, Rhode Island. So, you know. Whoa, uh, really? Yeah, man. There's a place called Cumberland? (laughs) Yeah, I used to work in Cumberland, Rhode Island. (laughs) Why? Gross, dude. So in Cumberland, Rhode Island, is it only Cumbies? Like, no, is no, every building a Cumbies? You know, there are a ton of them, and they're all, like, freshly renovated all the time. <laughs> That's their mm. only claim to fame. <laughs> I don't like Cumbies. One time a... I love Cumbies. <laughs> no, one time a, uh, a a worker at Cumbies called the cops on my friend Pat, and I, so oh. I, I, I will never go into a Cumbies ever again. <laughs> I remember this story. <laughs> yeah. He was doing something illegal. Sure. Well, you know, fuck that Cumbies then. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Anyway, I like Cumberland Farms. It's good. No sponsorship. It's just dope. <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't because fuck Cumbies. I wish they would sponsor us. Hey, Cumbies, sponsor us. <laughs> yeah, do it after we said that for sure. Anyway, anyway Cumbies. <laughs> we go into the Cumbies because Joel has a stash of gear for a rainy day. Ellie goes exploring and after gawking in an arcade cabinet of Mortal Kombat 2, which is a dope game, by the way. She yeah. finds herself in the back room while Joel tries to remember where he put his stuff because, you know, he's an old guy and that's what I love do. that so much where she's like, you don't know where it is, do you? And, he, and he's like, how? No, it's been I, two years. Ellie. I know. I know where it is. Go to another room, though, while I look. Yeah. So she does just that. Ellie finds herself in the basement of this gas station and comes across actually a box of tampons. Unopened score. Now she doesn't have to ask Joel to get them for her. Nice. Actually, that's key. I know. It's dope, right? It is. After she puts them in her bag, she finds herself startled by an infected trapped in the rubble of the fallen foundation. And at this point, she is finally able to see one up close. Now, she's only seen them in the experience that they had in the museum, really. 
she can see this person up close. So she approaches him and is kind of consumed with the curiosity and she cuts open the forehead of this infected person. She reveals the tendrils beneath the skin, which is weird to see. It it gave me Mm. little shivvies because uh, that's gross and I don't like it. It was gross and the makeup was amazing. Oh, so good. It's very good. Ellie's being so dumb, like a child sort of. Oh, she is a 14-year-old girl yeah right she's doing dumb child (laughs) kind of stuff she sure is where she's like maybe i get into this hole yeah right that'd be hard to get out of and (laughs) oh there's a there's an infected down here maybe i walk right up to it yeah and then get right to its face and then stab it (laughs) (laughs) yeah then she does stab the zambi right in the head night night which I'm on board for. I'm Team yeah. Ellie. I'm not like Team Zombie in this situation, but well, that's good. Are you normally Team Zombie? Sometimes. <laughs> okay. Sometimes when <laughs> if people it's a really it. shitty person, sure. Yeah. Right. Most people. I'm Team <laughs> Zombie. But stop walking up to them. It's not going to go well yeah, long that, term. Yeah. It doesn't doesn't go well usually. She she had the benefit of the doubt this time. <laughs> yeah. The rubble was on her side. Yeah. <laughs> She returns up to the top with Joel and they gear up and move out to continue down the road. Ellie asks how the infection spread. Again, we kind of get this walking and talking. This is part of the game where you are literally traversing the terrain to get to your next place. P.S. And by the way, before we move on, though, sure. He switched out guns because he didn't have ammo for the other one. Another nod to the game. Yes. Good point. Because I did that a bunch. Yeah. I have (laughs) five bullets for this. Yep. I don't think I should use this anymore. No, no, no. Five is good. (laughs) Five is a lot. Yes. Five is a lot. Lot of bullets. Five is a good amount of bullets. <laughs> Not for an automatic rifle. Uh, it's a standard amount of bullets. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So Ellie asks uh, how the infection spread, kind of like how does he understand it? Because she went to Fedra school and that is less than accurate to the truth. And she knows this. The way he describes it is just basically the prologue that we got from episode two, right? Yeah, right. But he goes a little bit further and explains with the timeline that all these things happen. We hear uh, again that it's from the wheat and flour, but he says he finishes with everything is gone. This happened in a matter of three days. That shit's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. That from day one to day three, the world is bad. It's not just bad. It's sort of over. It's over. I really liked the moment where he said pancake mix because yes. it hurt him to his core. I did. I know. I noticed that too. But also like he could, he almost died, man. Like, yeah, we talked about this. I think last episode, they narrowly avoided death. Oh, you mean when that soldier shot them? No. When they almost ate wheat. <laughs> Oh, right. In that moment, they decided they were on keto, so they couldn't. Right. Exactly. Right. I love that. When you say like they almost died, you have to specify they've almost died a lot of times. And only one of them was because of pancakes. Yeah, right. (laughs) That's you now have to denote that. Yeah. Well, a lot of times you've come close to death, but there's only an asterisk that says pancake on one of them. Death by pancakes. Been there. Denny's Grand Slam. How dare you bring that up? I've had a. Uh, what if I have like a really weird backstory with the Denny's Grand, like Denny's Grand Slam killed my dad? Oh my God. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I shouldn't be here for this. This is just <laughs> <It's> not. <okay. laughs> anyway, that three day thing, that's terrifying, man. I mean, look at how COVID spread, you know, in our life for real. Once it broke out, it was only a matter of days and we went from normal life to complete isolation. The world shut off. It was bizarre, man. Like we lived this kind of without, you know, face eating zombies. So 
As they approach kind of a certain area on the road, Joel suggests veering off the road and cutting across because there's stuff that he doesn't want Elliot's youthful mind to be exposed to. And she's like, nah, dude, I can take it. I'm a badass. Okay, fine. Here's a mass grave. You asked for this. Uh, They come across a large charred remains of a lot of human bones and skulls kind of strewn about and travel bags peppered throughout the area. And Joel explains how if there was no room at a QZ uh, where they're bringing people, they would say, oh, yeah, we promise you safe passage. But then they end up just killing everyone, regardless of they are infected or not. Terrible. So metal. So brutal. Jesus. Metal is not the way I would describe it, but it is. Yeah. And just like not (laughs) nice of them, you know, like be nicer about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. That's not how Fedra rolls, dude. Apparently not. Actually, I truly one of my favorite parts of this episode is later in it. And uh, when Bill and Frank are talking and Frank's like, you just think that the government's run by Nazis. And he's like, Mm -hmm. the government is run by Nazis. Like, yeah, now. I know. That was a great line. I love that. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. So the camera pans down on the remains of specifically two human skulls and some pieces of clothing kind of blowing in the breeze. And as they zoom in on the clothing, it then zooms back out to a mother and her assumably newborn baby who are wearing the same printed fabric back in 2003. Fucking heartbreaking. And this is where the episode starts to hit its stride. Now, before we move forward, uh, Ryan, you had mentioned that the first part of this episode with Joel and Ellie really didn't do anything for you. No. And I I agree. I agree partly with this. It's a lot of meandering around, which you get again playing the game and the storyline. But the information we learned about how it spread and what it like what it was like from Joel's point of view was good, but you know, in the grand scheme of this whole episode, it definitely does end up being noise compared to a lot of that. Well, ugh, the problem is that the audience already knows how it spread. We got a whole prologue about right. it. Yeah, we got more details, mm-hmm. but that was for Ellie's sake. Yes, right, right. But she also was fed false truths, you know? And so to hear Joel say, no, that that's wrong, this is how it truly meant. She even said, thank you for telling me that because, you know, it's brutal to hear, but like, it's the truth, it's reality. Yeah, this episode suffers from 40 minutes of brilliance in the middle. Sadly, it's it's champagne problems that you get to this 40-minute short film that's amazing and the bookends become less interesting in comparison. Sure, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the fact that I just, it felt like we are three episodes in and we should be farther along, just in my mind, should be farther along in the Joel and Ellie storyline. It is forgivable based on how they land the next episode and the next season. But like, all I was thinking was, Ellie, get out of that hole. Stop being next to that (laughs) damn. Why are we doing any of this? Oh, we got to switch weapons. Anyway, let's make me cry. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, at this point in the game, it is very on parallel with what's happening in the show. You know, not even halfway through and we're already done with Bill's storyline. That's pretty accurate to the original game. So I'm okay with the time. But here's the problem. No, here's the problem, though. Mm. That the reason that was okay in the game is because, yeah, you got to meet Bill, but you really didn't get to dive into his emotional journey. And that was all this episode was. And then you get to the end of it and then he's just gone. It's you fleshed out a character you made me like, and now he's not going to be there anymore. And you're telling me that Murray Bartlett and Nick Offerman were one stop shops in the first season, right? This is going to end up maybe being a three or four season show, if not more. In fact, I just heard Craig Mazin talking about how the second season was not going to be the full second game because it's just too much. There's so much. There's so much.
watch. So it will most likely have to be broken into two seasons. So like it's going to be a four or five season show and we will get to the end of it. I'll be thinking, man, I wish I had more time with Frank and Bill. Mm, Yeah. It feels like they robbed us of that, which is fine because that's the tragedy. That's the built in tragedy for the audience. You're like, you made us really love these characters so much that now that they're gone, I'm mad that you did it to me. How dare you? (laughs) Well, on the flip side, uh, if you play the games version of Bill, where we don't see Frank at all, the game's version of Bill was also one of the most highly uh, liked parts of the game. You do see Frank. He's hanging from a rafter. He's hanging from a rafter, yes, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I do. Yeah, but, I do. But Bill's whole sequence from meeting him, going through the town, avoiding traps, fighting zombies, uh, and actually ending up in the school and seeing the bloater for the first time in the game, Nice. that all happens in this span of time. Yeah, but people like that because of the relationship he has with Ellie, which is what was taken from us as show watchers. I think that they'll make up for it down the road with just content that they are putting into this from the game. Adam, just tell me a love story. I want to hear it. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, So uh, we're back in 2003. We're introduced to survivor prepper Bill, played none other than, as you said, Nick Offerman, wonderful man. We see him looking on his personal CCTV monitors as Fedra is taking away those very same civilians on trucks from their town toward what we hoped was a quarantine zone. But sadly, that's not the case, as we know. No, it was a hole down the road. It was a hole down the road and they burned them. (laughs) This is one of the tough. This is one of those people who you're like, why do you live in Massachusetts? Why did you choose that? Go somewhere else where there are many people like you. And right. he's like, no. And But also, you know, he does talk about his mom. So he probably has a, an attachment to this town and this place because yeah. of his mother. He obviously loves her. Uh, and again, that's all just like coloring in in and outside the lines of uh, mm. uh, for the character that, again, you meet in the game, but you don't get all this really cool stuff about this psycho. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I, I the more I think about it, the more I liked this version of the story than the game's version as good as ellie and bill's dialogue was i think that this was way more effective for sure oh oh, of course and by the way i said psycho just because he uh thought 9-11 was an inside job and that nazis (laughs) were a part of the government things (laughs) that you think when you're a little off kilter the best part though is that he meets frank and he changes he changes but but that is a little bit of bill from the game uh his kind of wild sense of like oh everything's a conspiracy like that that's very much his vibe (laughs) just this is way more toned down this is toned down oh yes yeah 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 he's wild in the game jesus all right right on yep yeah so uh as the trucks and the people dissipate bill emerges from his safe room beneath his house to a completely desolate town and everyone's gone what i'd like to note here is the sheer joy that crosses this man's face Yes. Are you ready for a montage? (laughs) This is the day that he's been waiting for. Complete solitude, impending doom in the form of a cordyceps apocalypse. Yes. As he would say later in a letter, I liked when everyone died. Yeah, right. (laughs) I liked being alone. So, like you said, we see an excellent montage of Bill gathering supplies at a local market, Home Depot, gas stations. He's a handyman if we ever knew one. Very Ron Swanson-like again. Um, right. He's very in his element with this situation. And we follow him along as he sets traps, 
preps gates, electrical booby traps, and ensures his power source is tip-top. And I'm not going to lie. I kind of wish I was in this situation for like a month, and then I'd be over it. Where all your friends and family are dead? No, no. Just like being able to rummage no, through no, Home Depot by myself no. and gather things and like fabric. And like just have complete rain over the town I live in. <laughs> Where you get to be a felon for free? Yeah, that'd be so fun. <laughs> <laughs> I don't disagree. I'm just saying that you're a monster. <laughs> no, I would want my friends and family to be there, but... Also in Home Depot with you? Yeah, let's all buy toilets. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not buying anything. It's no, going to be right. free. There's no one it. else there. I'm going to take that toilet. <laughs> That's my toilet now. You wouldn't want to do that? No, we just get to our backyard. Like, why did we take 80 toilets? I don't know. I just wanted to shit outside. It was weird, though. We should have stopped at 79 and we went, no, let's make it an even 80 if there's yeah. like too many toilets. Anyway, let's hit these toilets with these sledgehammers and get it over with. See, now that, that's it right there. That's there, the, we uh, found it. That's yeah, it. we got there. That's what I would do. <laughs> so... First time jump to 2007. Now we're four years in. It's been very cool to see this kind of progress report of how nature kind of reclaimed the land, a slow degradation of the roads, the houses, the buildings. I I like this little time jump. We're getting it in slow increments. Eventually, Bill gets an alert that one of his traps was tripped. Try and say that 10 times fast. Bill gets an alert that one of his traps were tripped. Bill gets what I fucked it up on the second one. You ruined the second time. (laughs) I didn't ruin it. I tried hard and I failed. That's what happens. (laughs) He sees that one of his trap holes on the exterior of his property has been revealed. They've been tripped. They've been tripped. The traps have been tripped. As he approaches the hole, he hears a man yell, I'm not infected! Enter Frank, played by the wonderful Murray Bartlett. And if you don't know Murray Bartlett... Then how dare you? Yeah, how dare you, first off. But he was in the first season of The White Lotus, excellent Mm. chef's kiss season. We do a pod on it. Go listen to that after this. Yeah, he was the best part of that first season of White Lotus by far. He was the best character. He, I believe, won awards for it. And he got cast in The Last of Us prior to the White Lotus airing. So, really? Yeah, he he went through the whole process of auditions and got this part with Craig Mazin and uh, Neil Druckmann never seeing uh, him on screen uh, uh, for the White Lotus. So he just got this on like the merit of his acting alone. While not Nick Offerman was offered the part, right? Yeah. That's, that's Ron Swanson. Yes. You saw Ron Swanson you were like, I think that's Bill. So yeah, we're going to make 100%. that be Bill. Uh, but for Frank, Murray Bartlett beat out everyone else and became Frank. Which and is And then crazy. White Lotus was on the TV and uh, and I'm sure Craig Mason and Neil Druckmann were like, oh my god, we nailed it so hard. Oh yeah, for sure. And, and it's funny, when they announced that Murray Bartlett was going to be in this show as Frank, you know, as a player of the game, I was like, oh, what? Frank's in it? What? Um, uh, must be getting a backstory. But also, Murray Bartlett, the only thing I really knew him at the time was White Lotus before I, you know, looked into his repertoire. And I was like, that doesn't seem right. And then it happened and it's everything is right. So, yes, that's because he's Australian. And the first thing I thought was like, well, I'm sure he can do an accent or at least he can quell his accent and do an American. Sure. He did an amazing job. Oh, he, he did, did such yeah. a good job. They, they, they both what? killed it. They really at did. the beginning, because I, very, I knew very little about the game where Bill doesn't kill Frank. I was like, that's weird that he didn't kill him right off the bat. The mm. way I found and, and was kind of following Bill's character character was like, uh, I don't really care that you're not infected, as you say. Get on out of here. I'm never letting you in my house. But then he does. And mm. as the story goes on, it becomes more and more clear. Like, he did it because he thought Frank was hot. Yeah, he's a hottie, hottie with a body. And I was like, oh, that makes so much more sense. <laughs> 
Yeah, come inside. You're a very hot man. Oh, you're a hot man. Come inside. I'll make you a crown roast right. and some wine. I'm going to make a lot of poor decisions because you are hot to the touch. <laughs> and in fact, it ended up not being very poor decisions. But No, it was the best decision of Bill's life. Yeah, yeah. They share a lovely Michelin star meal complete with vintage wine. And just as Frank's about to leave, he notices that Bill has an antique piano in his living room. Um, mm. And he requests to play a song before he leaves. And Bill wasn't really cool with this at first. But, you mm. know, he let it happen anyway because he's hot. He's a hot guy who's allowed to play Bill's mom's piano. This is the moment in which you understand that Bill was very close to his mother or at least revered her to an extent that he mm-hmm. stayed in Massachusetts and doesn't like when people go near that piano. <laughs> Continuing to color in the picture of who Bill is is very cool. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And he begins to play uh, Linda Ronstadt's Long, Long Time. Whoa, dude, that's the name of the episode. That's the name of the episode, dude. Oh, that's chill. I know. But Bill actually doesn't like this. He tells him to stop, you know, indicating the song probably held some meaning to him. And like you said, it could have been one of his mother's favorite songs or, you know, something with his mother. And so Frank retorts and says, hey, you know, why don't you play it for me? Kind of as a parting gift before I leave. I'd love to hear you play. This is where the whole tone of the show flips its switch. Bill plays the song and it's incredibly emotional. Wonderful shots up close of his his fingers on the piano, his face singing. And it was at this point that I knew that Nick Offerman and Murray Bartlett were the absolute perfect cast for this version of Frank and Bill. Their chemistry on screen was so good. And uh, obviously, they're both incredibly seasoned actors. So this was the point where I was like, okay, well, I get it. Yep. Here we go. I think this scene was better for me in retrospect after I watched the rest of the episode. Okay. When it had context with the rest of the episode, especially how their story ends, this scene now in my head is romantic and yes. wonderful. And mm-hmm. But when I was watching it, I was like, this is sort of boring and I don't know what's going on. Well, it was a little awkward. It was a little awkward and I think that was intentional for it to be a little uncomfortable. Kind of how Bill was probably feeling in that moment and then he he let his inhibitions go. And after Bill's finished, Frank asks, hey, who's the girl that you're thinking about when, when you were thinking about this song? But there is none. And we all know where this is heading. And honestly, I'm here for it. He says there is no girl. And Frank's like, I know that's bang. <laughs> wow. What a romantic way to say that. When this happened on screen and we see their intimate moment in the bedroom, I knew that there was going to be backlash from fans of this game online. And and it's really unfortunate because I think that this telling of the story is vulnerable. It's a little ballsy from the showrunners. And honestly, it ended up being incredibly beautiful, this whole telling of their story. And the haters are just ruining it. Yeah, no, let's talk about it. There is a group of people who will not like this episode and will not like this show and I think they're the same group of people across the board and they are the ones that are like one people being gay on television is gross and I don't like it and two Ellie's not hot enough that kid from that game the child that I wish was more attractive like so we hey hey that group of people fuck you (laughs) put it lightly (laughs) just fuck off and die like I I have no patience for that shit whatsoever I know. it's it's pretty terrible and um it's unfortunate man it's unfortunate it really do you is. think james if he was here would have told them to fuck off and die i don't think so okay um i think he would have said it a little bit more eloquently but nicer, you know i'm here for better. both versions no it's nicer and better he's better at podcasting that's a good point 
That's not not always true. Come it's on. That's what you said, Adam. It's what you said. So we all are yeah. in harmony. Wow. Oh. There's a balancing act every time, right? No. Anyway. <laughs> Another time jump happens three years now. We're in 2010. Bill and Frank are still together. And truly, you know, I I love the tri-yearly check-ins, if it were. It's really nice to see uh, kind of this side that we didn't get. And while they're still together, they do proceed to have an argument. Frank wants to renovate the boutique. And, uh, you know, Bill's just like, why do you want to do that? It's just going to be us all the time. And Frank goes on and says, well, we're going to have friends, Bill. No, no, we're not. Yeah, well, I've been talking to this lovely lady on the radio. You've been doing what? And then smash cut to a wonderful backyard dinner party with Joel, Tess, Frank, and Bill. And this was really funny to me because the two are so polar opposite. (laughs) No, yes, it is two people sitting across, like Joel and Bill looking at each other are, are, they are kind of one and the same. They are jaded. Uh, Obviously not the same exact person, but Joel is just looking at the gun. Bill is looking at Joel's eyes. Yeah. And Frank and Tess are just talking like, like they're old friends. Uh, amazing. It, it, but it just like that difference was so funny to me. I, I laughed out loud during the episode. I'm like, what the fuck? They're having a dinner party with like fine china and stemware. Like, it I know. Just made me laugh. <laughs> before we move on, though, because I do, I do love that backyard team. But before yeah. we move on, sure. That conversation that Frank and Bill have on the street right before the dinner, yes, sure, completely echoes the end of their story. Frank saying, "This is where I live too. I want you to let me." mean love it the way i want to love it that's what life is about loving things the way you want to in the way that you feel like you're allowed to Mm -hmm. and that's exactly the last five minutes of their story just again and in the future which is really cool that's foreshadowing and i like it a lot oh yeah it's wonderful Uh, this uh episode is a master class in storytelling i think yeah i hope it goes down as one of the better television episodes that's ever aired murray bartlett and Nick Offerman will be put up for supporting roles into mm. next year's Emmys for this episode. Sure. Like, it's, it, it should get a lot of recognition long term. I sure hope so. It's worth it, man. Anyway, Tess and Frank are talking. They're like, let's do signals with songs. Yeah. <laughs> and then Tess says, hey, uh, do you mind if I see the inside of your house? Like, it looks really pretty. Frank is very excited to bring Tess into the house and show off the decor. He's very proud of it and no 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 fucking no and this is just a great moment for joel and bill to discuss uh how they're very similar for joel to be like get your goddamn gun out of my face and also your fence is shit i can help you with that we can be mutually beneficial and bill's like (laughs) (laughs) that was a good that was a good invitation (laughs) thanks man i've been working on it since last night joel is a stone face badass and explains hey stop being a dick i don't think he's being a dick at all i don't think he's being a little bit of a dick i think bill's being a little bit of a dick because they're guests this is a zombie world adam okay (laughs) but have they shown any hostility no hostility (laughs) who cares who cares (laughs) 
People eat people here. Yeah, but but Joel is like you know he's a, he's stone face and yeah, but he, you know Joel, you played two games with no, him. No, no, you know him very in, closely. In, the, in this scene, he you spots, don't know Joel. Well, he spots that his fence. You know, he's like your fence is only going to last a year. You know, I can help you with that if we just come to some common ground. You know, we can make each other's lives more sustainable in this shitty wasteland. Bill ultimately, in his self-centered way, he declines this despite the warnings of raiders that can happen at nightfall and joel is just like just watch out for yourself man just you know don't take it for granted that this stuff will work all the time cut to <laughs> <laughs> jump to 2013 bill uh, at this point uh, looks like he's heeded joel's warning a bit he a bunch of stacked cars are in front of all his fencing indicating that you know maybe it is starting to deteriorate uh we see bill and frank jogging around the town and frank stops and says hey i have a surprise for you and he takes bill to a small garden that he made with fresh strawberries just ripe enough for the picking. Frank explains that he did in fact trade one of Bill's guns which he was not very psyched about. Which one? One of the little ones. He was immediately over it realizing hey maybe we can have a mutual understanding with these people and Bill does confess that he's never been afraid uh, of the world until Frank arrived Uh, and they Mm. shared a very sweet moment here Mm -hmm. enjoying uh, a strawberry together in this wonderful lighting. It was a very beautiful scene. Hey Adam. Yeah. Do we strawberries whole oh hell yeah like the top of them too the oh, green no parts? no 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 you do what they did that you grab it by the green you eat it i feel like dick offer put the whole strawberry he very mouth. well may have <laughs> yeah no i feel like i saw him do it and i, I was didn't like, that's i didn't pay that close attention <laughs> Anyway, whether he did or not is neither here nor there. Do you eat strawberries whole? No. You you grab the green part, you eat the rest, and then the top is weird and you throw that away. And then Amazing. after that, you have sexual intercourse on top of the strawberries. No, not on the strawberries, he says. Oh, yeah. I got this all wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Anyway, later that evening, a rainstorm hits the town. <laughs> And we do, in fact, see a group of raiders wandering up to the gates. And of course, because Bill is a madman, uh, they set off his traps, which trigger flamethrowers, which proceeded mm. to light these people on fire. Yeah. Frank jumps out of bed in a fury and finds his pistol in a drawer and goes out the front door. And he sees Bill in the street in the middle of a firefight with these raiders uh, just shooting guns at each other. And it's very intense. Yeah, I like that the raiders were on fire. That was positive for me. Absolutely. The gun that Frank takes out of a drawer will come up later in the story. Let's all keep that in the back of our yep. minds. Yep. You know what I didn't like? What did Bill like? wasn't taking any cover. No, he was just out in the middle of nowhere. Why would you do that? Because he's a madman. No, be behind a, a, something. Like if you've played any video game ever, you know that walls are your friend. You and you should peek out from them instead of being in the middle of the road shooting like a <laughs> madman. And then, oh my God, what happens? He gets shot. Crazy. Bill doesn't uh, peg himself as a video game player. I'm just saying that he's made a mistake and it got him shot. Very clearly. He he does indeed get shot. And Frank rushes over to his aid as the firearms are still going off. But the traps continue to be effective against these raiders, kind of keeping them at bay as Frank is very calmly cleaning Bill's wound on the dining room table. And this is another very emotional scene where he's uh, helping him, but he's so so 
calm. And Bill is saying, leave me behind. Call Joe for help. Joe will keep you safe. And of course, Frank, you know, eases him, ignores this, and Bill passes out on the table, leaving Frank. I thought Bill was dead. I thought he was dead until I knew he wasn't going to Oh, what do you mean? Until it cuts and they're not dead? But I was like, he was shot in a place where, actually, in fact, he was shot almost exactly where Joel's daughter was shot. Yeah, 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 yeah. she died. A lot of gut shots here. Marlene as well. Like, oh, yeah. Mm. So, yeah, when it cuts and they're old, I'm like, oh. Sick. Yeah. So 10 years go by. We are now in the present day, 2023. Frank and Bill are actually very elderly looking. I thought this was interesting that they aged so much in 10 years. I didn't think they looked particularly old 10 years earlier, but we see that Frank is in a wheelchair, clearly is sick, and both of them have been subjected to time and age. And we see Frank painting a picture uh, of Bill, which is very sweet. And it just appears that Frank is unhappy, not with his life or Bill, but kind of the state of his body. He's unable to get in and out of bed without struggling. It's just a difficult, he's having a difficult time. Yeah, it's like it's MS or something uh, like that. And he obviously is being taken care of by Bill even more so uh, than he was before. You do get the feeling that this is present day. I was reminded in this moment that at the end of episode one, an 80s song came on being played by Bill and Frank. And I recall that if Bill didn't reset the songs on a weekly basis, it would automatically play an 80s song. So I was like, okay, it feels like we're nearing the end of this story. I wonder if Bill purposely puts on an 80s song or he doesn't do anything and the 80s song happens because they both die that can't happen though that would be too sad well got some bad news oh no (laughs) i don't want bad news i'm so sorry well at this point this is where the episode absolutely starts to grab your heart and just decimate it out of your chest your heart through your dick this sequence of events absolutely ruined me it ruined me Yeah. Specifically one very intense line. The Mm -hmm. next morning, Frank gets up with Bill and he asks Bill to give me one last perfect day. Mm. And Bill's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, I've made up my mind. This is what I want you to do. No, it's wasting no more time. (laughs) Here I go again. He wants to do this by going for a walk to the boutique, which clearly they did renovate. Mm. Because he got to love it the way he wanted to. Uh, He wanted to get married to Bill. Mm. He wants to have one last wonderful meal, but also have Bill crush up all of his pills and put him in his wine at dinner. Mm, The same wine that they had the first night they were together. Right. And he wants to be taken to bed and fall asleep for the last time. When Murray Bartlett delivered this line, this scene, ruined. Mm. It ruined me. (laughs) Yeah. I not only shed a tear, I in fact lost multiple tears. One would call that crying. Yeah, they (laughs) do. Um, They call that crying on the streets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Bill with immense pain in his eyes. Again, Nick Offerman, wonderful, wonderful actor. Um, He agrees. And we see clips of this happening throughout the day. And do you want to see a montage? But sad. (laughs) A sad montage. Sad montage. These men have put on such an elegant performance and all of these emotions are being just presented at you full force 
head on. And we get to the evening. These two are at dinner and Bill walks in uh, to the room with two empty wine glasses. He pours wine in both. And then he puts a very sad white powder into Frank's wine. And they both down their glasses of wine. Yeah, they chug. They both chug. And I was like, that makes sense for Frank to chug. And then Bill chugged. And I was like, Bill. At first. Come on, Bill. At first, at first I'm like, he he's, I mean, he's just going to get wasted tonight. Like, that's what's no, happening. No, it was very clear to me immediately. It was like, and also clear to Frank immediately, who was like, so. After a small beep. Well, Bill crushed up all the pills and put them in the entire bottle of wine, claiming that there was enough in there to kill a horse. And they are smaller than horses, so they're both going to die. Yeah. And Frank here is, I like this line a lot, where he says, I should be furious. Right. Uh, and this is, again, after Bill said, you know, I had purpose. Yes. You are my purpose. Yeah. And I'm satisfied. Yeah. And I'm ready to go because you won't be, like, without you here, I'm done. Done. I don't need to do anything more. And then Frank says, it is it is romantic. And I was like, yeah, fucking is. Oh, God, it's This is like if Romeo and Juliet knew they were both poisoned simultaneously. Right? And we're like, let's do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we're both chill with this? Cool. <laughs> anyway, bring me to my bed. Ugh. This is sad. Yeah, but Bill, you know, he said he's old and satisfied. He, You know, he's kind of content with his mortality. There was an interview where they asked Nick Offerman if they thought that Bill was happy before Frank came into his life. And he answered it in a way that I thought was really cool. He yeah. said he was most likely superficially happy. Like he said in that letter that we will then, uh, we will reference uh, later coming up here as Ellie reads it. He was happy when everybody died. And now that he was in this place where all of his preparation actually came to fruition and was helpful and he lived in a world now that he's wanted forever where he's finally alone and self-sufficient yeah uh, he was superficially happy nick offerman thinks but once he gained an actual purpose and there was something for him to now lose that wasn't just his own life he which I think this is incredibly relatable. Like there's a, there was a lot of people watching that moment where they're like, okay, he has gained a purpose. This man is his purpose. Mm. And without that purpose, there's no reason to go on. Yeah. There was a lot of people watching that who were like, I wish I had a purpose. This oh, fucking no. sucks. <laughs> Not me, Adam. No, no, no. I'm just I'm content. General. I'm chill and cool and I'm doing fine. But. <laughs> Anyway, this is a cry for help. You keep talking. Well, the two retire to the bed and fade to black. So, <laughs> Yes, they open, they open the window, though, which is nice. Well, yes, we don't know that until the end, though. Whatever but it yes, is. Yes, yes, they do do that. So Such a, That's a good point. Fade to black. Scene's over. You know, I am... Crying. Destroyed. Yeah, just yeah, absolutely destroyed, man. It, it hit me very, very hard. Now, Joel and Ellie are arriving in Bill's town current day they notice that no one's home and things have been uh, what looks like to be abandoned for weeks and as joel's exploring the house ellie finds an envelope with a truck key and a note from bill made out to whoever finds this but most likely joel which i thought was funny <laughs> mm, weeks but it should only be one week right they've no, been on the was, road for one week i thought it well we don't know exactly when bill yeah and we don't frank know what amount did. of time happened right. uh, in between the end of episode one and right now when the right. song went on but the song most likely went on a week after they died 
So maybe a month. But we also see uh, the flowers are now wilted and dead, which means they haven't been watered in enough time to be wilted. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know enough about flowers. Neither do I. I'm not a botanist, but, you know, give no or take botanist. a couple weeks, maybe. Flower um, man. Yeah. <laughs> so Ellie reads this note out loud. Bill writes that he hates humanity, but found love, and it gave him something to fight for, as you said. <laughs> that was my favorite part. I know, Bella Ramsey did such a good job with that oh, line she's, read. She's and it just good. reminded me of uh, Ron Swanson laughing. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but Bill gave Joel free reign to his house and his supplies, so they both gather up what they need, and Joel finally has his battery and his truck. But while Joel is away, Ellie grabs Frank's handgun in the drawer as she's kind of snooping around and hides it into her pack before Joel could see her do it. That's not chill. She's not allowed to have a gun and she just took it. But I feel like that will come in handy down the road. Yeah, I know. She just keeps doing things that she's not supposed to. And I mean, I just and I get it. You're 14. 14 14 14-year-old angsty teen. You've never been outside the QZ before. This is a lot. But also the consequences of this world are way higher than ours. Oh, if yeah. you do wrong things, you die for sure. The mm-hmm. threshold for death is very, very low. So it is bold of her to be like, you know, I'm just going to go out on a limb and do whatever I want. Like, yeah. it seems inefficient. And by inefficient, I mean asking for death. But you do you. <laughs> well, the two pack up, get into the truck, and Ellie is fucking psyched to be in this truck (laughs) i mean it's basically a spaceship to her yeah she calls it a spaceship which is a callback to the last of us part two nice they electric boogaloo i think is its name right yeah yeah yeah. no you're right you're right but they have this wonderful scene in the second game where she's pretending to be in a spaceship and it is really it's a really good scene so i'm excited to see that come to the screen Uh, but she is she loves space and things like that just from reading comic books and things that she finds but but as she's kind of enamored with this truck, she finds a cassette tape and puts it in. And of course, it's Linda Ronstadt's long, long time. That makes um, a lot of sense because that's the name of the episode. That's the name of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Ellie is initially critical of it. <laughs> she's like, yeah, I mean, I guess it's better than nothing. But Joel really takes it in. He admires it. Yeah. He has this wealth of knowledge compared to Ellie. He knows of the before times right. when Linda Ronstadt was a star. <laughs> right. And then he asks asks her, you don't know who Linda Ronstadt is? And she goes, you know I don't know who Linda Ronstadt is. Whatever. You're getting snippy about Linda Ronstadt. Yeah, what the Linda, hell? Not, Linda Ronstadt. I could not say that last name. Yeah. And you and I will <laughs> I will elbow you for this. How dare you talk <laughs> bad about Linda? As the song goes on, the two drive off in the distance and we see a long pan out from the open bedroom window of Bill and Frank. And it's the first game's title screen. Yeah, but yes, 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 you picked that up too. Thank God. I yes. didn't. The IMD B told me <laughs> wonderful the imdb's told you no that that's um yes i picked on that immediately it's uh so so good it's just such a small little detail that if you play the game it is very impactful and with that scene credits roll and mm. we have the end of episode three again probably um the one of the best better storytelling episodes of television i've seen in a very long time is it your favorite episode of the season so far um so i don't know that i would say that because the first episode 
episode of this show was so close to the yeah. game and it did so much justice and it was this buildup of anticipation that actually delivered that I think the first episode will remain the best for me but this hit me so hard and I loved every second of it. And can I say I've been really enjoying listening to you and James talk about this show because you two are so invested in the game you're so invested in the game to show process that it's cool to listen to you guys be excited about it especially from my perspective which is i know much less about this (laughs) i I, sadly i know the large plot twists i wish i didn't but there's just there's just no way with the amount of content that enters my brain on a daily basis because i'm addicted to uh (laughs) just things happening to me rather than uh complete silence so i i know at least the large swinging plot points in the future but watching this episode from a perspective of i didn't do the 40 minutes in the middle of this of killing zombies you know i i I didn't know bill's character other than the fact that i knew nick offerman was going to be in this show and i was like well he's gonna be awesome because he's nick offerman and he's great sure But yeah, no, I I loved this episode. I'm glad, man. It was so, so sad, and it made so yeah. many people cry. Yeah. Uh, not me. I'm, I am I would never. You're a stone-faced killer. I'm a stone-faced killer, and everybody knows that. Yeah. But no, it was, it was so, so good. I'm just really excited for the rest of this season of television. Mm. I am so excited for HBO to have, I think, now two shows in a row that are truly good. Yeah. Especially when there were a few duds along the way to get here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Raised by wolves, cough. Anyway. <laughs> That first episode, though, pretty good. Oh, the first episode of Raised by Wolves is so... I'm sad I even brought it up, honestly. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. But I'm I'm uh, I'm very very happy. I am th- I'm thrilled even that someone who doesn't hold the game in such a high place in their life is enjoying the story, is enjoying the journey uh, with these characters and what they're able to do with it on HBO. Uh, I'm just happy that people are being exposed to this. I've known this whole game for ten years since it came out. I played it the first month it was released, and it holds up. I've played it four or five times since then yeah. so you know what? i'm just excited because i remembered how sad you were when we watched the uncharted movie right like uh, how some uh, <laughs> oh, oh, uh, emo- i thought you meant emotionally sad i'm like no i think sucked <laughs> no it sucked which is why you were sad because oh, yeah, it was something yeah. that you loved turned into oh, your shit yeah so uh, and and something that didn't hold true to the game, uh, at, at least character-wise, almost mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. And and this show is on the exact opposite side of the spectrum of that. I will say that Sam was watching it next to me. She knows absolutely nothing. Right. right. She knows nothing of the game, nothing of the show. She's watched no YouTube videos about it. She knows none of the plot points that are coming up. So I'm not ruining anything for her. And she's not listening to this podcast. She doesn't <laughs> listen to this podcast as has been uh, historically accurate. But I am a little concerned just based on this episode for her crowd, the crowd that she represents, which is coming in cold 100% because she got to the end of this episode and was like, hey, nothing happened. And I was like, that's not exactly true, but I understand the perspective of that didn't really move Joel and Ellie forward as much as she wanted it to. And I get that. And I mm-hmm. think it will be fine. I think it will 
will pay off, and I think she'll get to the end of the season and be satisfied. Yeah, I but think so. There, I do understand that moment of like, I I wish there was a little more. Yeah, there yeah. for them to chomp no, on. No, I, I I hear that, and I think that I think that's why they didn't leave this episode to be entirely Bill and Frank. They did have a little bit of Joel and Ellie in the beginning, and this was kind of a uh, you know here's what happened during the time and and giving us a reason as to why Bill is no longer with us when they go to see him because the last Joel knew is he was alive. Yeah, and I think the only criticism from game players that I will accept is they are sad that Ellie and Bill's relationship didn't get to happen sure for them like yep. for, for them missing out on that hurt but hopefully was replaced by an episode so well put together that it made up for it so i can understand that criticism for it but i think that is the beginning of like if you don't stop there and then you keep going to say that you didn't like this for any more reasons than that you're reaching the i think people being gay on tv is gross and I think I would yeah. I'm a pedophile by the way and I wish that uh, you know I wish that Ellie was hotter <laughs> like that crowd of people is on the opposite side of that opinion and, yeah. and and boy oh boy you better do that line in the sand of the Bill and Ellie relationship and stop there because if you go past that you can suck rocks I don't like <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, I mean, being a player of the game, that was a missed part, but I think the trade-off was satisfying enough. In fact, it surpassed what I would have rather had for filler, knowing kind of what goes on in the game. Um, I think that this was a very elegant way to handle it. I think there's also something to be said for the showrunners are, I, I mean, Neil Druckmann is the guy who wrote the game. So he is invested in keeping that through line, which is incredibly important. But Craig Mazin is here as well, right? Mm -hmm. The Chernobyl guy is here as well. He directed yeah. the first episode. He created the entire aesthetic of what the show looks like. And, and uh, there are people out there who say that uh, and they're afraid that Neil Druckmann having anyone else helping him is going to be a detriment to the show. I think that's dumb. I think it's dumb. Oh, it's very uh, dumb. Because Craig Mazin is, uh, has proven himself to be an incredibly capable showrunner, writer, Absolutely. and director. Absolutely. But there are people like in the uh, TikTok I watched earlier where they asked Craig Mazin, is he thinking about season two yet? And this was prior to getting the renewal. He said they're absolutely talking about it and how they're probably going to have to split up the second game into yeah. more than one season, etc. Yep. And but there were comments on that that were like, he's going to ruin it. Him oh being there at all. It's like, God, oh, get people on the internet here. are awful. I hate them. I know. Terrible, terrible. Well, with that that wraps up episode three of the last of us please join us next week where hopefully james will be back nothing against you ryan but no, I i'm so excited for not being on this podcast next week <laughs> wow <laughs> again as, as a listener it. to this podcast i uh, <laughs> i really enjoy consistency and i look forward to you two talking about it and being once more in the audience yes yes of course and uh please uh subscribe to our patreon at patreon.com slash hbo B-O-I-Z for what is it one or more dollars a month you too how dare you how dare join you? <laughs> our uh, you know crew of people uh, who can talk to us on discord and get some exclusive stuff periodically not as much
much as we probably should. But and these episodes without ads. Yeah, yeah right. No ads. Um, but we do want to thank our patrons. We have Sunshine, Connor O'Dowd, Jamie Lochner, James Watch My Dong, Chris Wood, Brent Ginn, Craig, John Jewers, Major Woody, and Carol Andreas. Thank you so much for your money. And uh, if you want to give us more, that's great. Um, you know, you can do that. Yep, Sunshine just moved from a $1 to a $5 a month patron, so thank you very, very much. Sunshine daisies, buttermellow, turn this stupid fat rat yellow, yeah. God, you are a true talent that will echo throughout the ages. Also, I will say that James and I will be recording our podcast about the third season, third and last season of His Dark Materials this ah, week. Yes, so that yes. will be coming up soon as well. Please listen to that because James hated it. So oh it, yeah, it will it will be and and I did not hate it. So we're just gonna <laughs> fight for like an hour. I love that. <laughs> yeah, he's been yeah. so vocal on the damn Discord. <laughs> so I know that's the, that's the kind of things you can listen to is the Discord. I'm gonna try to karate chop him through a microphone. Good, do it. I'm gonna say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.